Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Dr. Kristen Saxena. If you're enjoying our podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review or comments on things you'd like to see in future episodes. On today's episode, we'll be talking all things kids' teeth. Our guest today is Dr. Chrissy Pruitt. She is a family dentist here in my hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. She'll be talking to us about all kinds of things, including uh, how to prevent cavities and how our diet interacts with our teeth to cause or even to help prevent those cavities. She'll talk to us a little bit about her own struggles with her own little kids and dental hygiene. We'll talk about the importance of correcting malocclusion or bite abnormalities and the impact that that can have on our kids in their future. And we'll talk about all kinds of things, including uh, the going rate for the tooth fairy at her house. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Pruitt. Thank you for having me. So I should say I first met Chrissy. She has two boys that go to school with my kids. And so I've kind of seen you in the pickup drop-off lane quite a bit. Um, But one thing that was super cool that you did, so for the athletes at our school, specifically the football players, my 13-year-old son was playing seventh grade football this year, and she offered to make custom mouth guards, which honestly I didn't even know was a thing, but you offered to make them free of charge for all the kids. And so we got to go into your office and you use your cool computer to somehow make some sort of (laughs) scientific measurements of his mouth and created this custom mouth guard, which, you know, after I went and asked him, because of course he received it at school and 13-year-old boys don't tell you that these things even come. <laughs> you email me and you're like, how's it going? And I'm like, did you get it? And he's like, yeah, I love it. So Good. very well received. And I think that was really cool. And I appreciated that. But it gave us a chance to chat. And I thought it would be great to get you on here just to talk more about kids' teeth, teeth in general, and what we as parents can do to kind of keep our kids healthy in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. I'm so glad he's wearing it. Oh, Um, yeah. And that was the whole idea behind it, because if anyone's had a mouth guard that comes out of the package and it's the boil and bite mouth guard, they're they're not comfortable. Kids don't want to wear them. I mean, if you're a seventh grade boy, maybe compliance is an issue, you know? (laughs) And so it's like, well, let's give these kids something that we at least have a chance of them wearing. And also, I mean, you look at professional athletes too, like every professional football player has a custom mouth guard. Every, you know. Oh, I didn't even know that that makes sense. When you look, you know, they're sticking them in their helmets um, in between plays and and of course being a nerd about it, I'm like, oh yeah, yep, yep, that's custom. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just felt like that would be something they would actually wear. And if we can prevent even like one tooth injury, I mean, that's a big deal because these kids will have these teeth for the rest of their life. And I can't tell you how many patients I have that they said, oh yeah, you know what? When I was a kid, I, I knocked this tooth out or I chipped mm-hmm. this or I did that. These injuries and these like, you know, things stay with them their entire life. And we see damage and issues and self-confidence problems and all kinds of things. Not to mention that the teeth are like really in kind of a fragile 
time period because if you injure them at, at a young age, you know, sometimes they don't grow in the right way or they don't heal the right way or, you know, there's just a lot of implications. So um, I'm glad he's wearing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I think that that is, that is good to talk about and good to know because my younger boys, they play flag football mm -hmm. and, you know, we kind of talked and they're probably not the best um, candidates for something like that because they're in the stage where teeth are falling out and growing Correct. in and right. all of that. Um, but I am, I am very worried about teeth getting knocked out and chipped. Yes. Like as a mom, I think that, and you know, I spend so much and we could talk about that. You spend so much on like dentists and orthodontics yes. and I'm always like, don't knock out your teeth. Right. So, exactly. So I think that that's really helpful and something to consider. I think, especially for older kids, right. you know, if you have somebody that offers that, I wouldn't have even thought to look for it. And now I think I think it's amazing. Awesome. Well, I'm glad he's wearing it. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of value in protecting those teeth, especially at the age where they're just so rambunctious and so prone to injury. Yeah. Yeah. So, so along with protecting teeth and worrying about kids' teeth, um, I think the thing that's top of mind for a lot of parents is cavities. And what can we do? I mean, we all know brush your teeth, um, avoid sugar. I mean, I feel like those are the things that even as kids, we're always like, you know, don't eat the candy and brush your teeth so your teeth don't rot and fall out or whatever. But, um, you know, from your perspective, I'm sure it's not quite so simple. Um, what can you talk to us a little bit more about what really causes cavities for kids and what are the best things we can do to help prevent them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what maybe not everybody knows, um, you know, we think, okay, sugar equals decay or tooth decay, dental caries, if you're being like really, you know, nerdy about it, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. So decay is actually a process caused by a bacteria. It's typically the strep mutans is the name of the bacteria, but that's not the only bacteria that will do it. This specific bacteria feeds on carbohydrates and the, the byproduct to their feeding on these carbohydrates is acid. And then the acid, of course, is excreted on the teeth. And then if the teeth are at or below a pH of 5.5 for a period of time, it can start to demineralize and all the minerals leach out and eventually get that actual cavitation of the tooth. So the decay process is, is indeed a process. I mean, it starts with like little white spots that you might notice on the teeth um, that you can see quite a bit after orthodontics. Um, they get the brackets off and they have maybe like white squares or, you know, white mm -hmm. areas. It's because the plaque is sat on the tooth for long enough that it's starting to demineralize the surface. So the white part is actually the demineralization. Demineralization. Okay. So that's like early decay. Like so the, the surface of the tooth isn't actually cavitated, but it's been demineralized. So you don't have to fill it per se, but it leaves a scar, if you mm -hmm. will, all the way to big, you know, gaping hole in the tooth where the surface is actually like, you know, cavitated and there's, you know, a more significant decay process going on there. And the acid's been on there longer and without being cleaned off. So, right. Yeah. And so, and you had kind of, when we had just briefly talked about this before, I think a good point that you just said was talking about carbohydrates mm -hmm. and how, and not to like, I'm not on a carb bashing for your kids <laughs> right. or sure, any sure. means, but like you said, like your teeth don't recognize necessarily that the sugar came from a sucker versus a piece of bread. Correct. Right? So like a cracker is really just a cookie with salt on it. Like your teeth don't care yeah. that it's a cracker. So um, opting for goldfish instead of Jolly Ranchers doesn't really matter. In fact, I would argue that, you know, a Jolly Rancher will dissolve and go away and goldfish stays, you know, sticks in the cracks of your teeth yeah. you know, longer. So I think what people need to realize is it's a bacterial process. We have to remove the bacteria, i.e. brush and floss, mm -hmm. in order to prevent that. But also it's, you know 
fed by, you know, carbohydrates or fermentable carbohydrates. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, raisins, people think raisins are better than candy. Raisins are really sticky. They're sugary. Mm -hmm. They'll, they'll cause cavities too. You know, um, anything like that. Like people think fruit snacks. Okay. Well, my kid's going to eat fruit snacks. Those cute little bunny fruit snacks that are organic. Yeah. Those aren't really that much better for you than a piece of candy. Right. Um, so I'm not saying don't eat those things or never eat those things, but certainly clean your teeth afterwards and don't view them as a healthier alternative for your teeth's sake. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So are there, so you kind of talked about some foods that in particular, it sounds like gummies and I mean, thinking mm -hmm. about the teeth or the foods that'll stick in between mm -hmm. your teeth. Um, are there any foods, and I honestly don't know the answer to this, that are good for your teeth? I mean, I think any food like raw carrots, raw apples, cheese, even believe it or not, milk chocolate. Like I'd way, way rather have my kids eat like Hershey's Kisses than some sticky, gooey candy type mm -hmm. of thing, you know, because you're able to, your, your saliva is able to cleanse your teeth naturally and remove those things off of your teeth more quickly. Mm -hmm. So um, the decay process is really interesting too, because I have a lot of patients who are like, well, I don't do this or I don't do that. You know, I just sip on this thing. You know, it's like, well, no, that's actually not better. So mm -hmm. it's if you're going to drink a Mountain Dew, because I have some patients who are like, I am not giving up my Mountain Dew. Uh -huh. And I will fight with them about it. And they just are like, sorry, what are my other <laughs> options? And I just have to say, well, okay, if you're going to have it, slam mm. it, like right. drink it all in one sitting. Don't nurse it all day mm -hmm. because it's, you're, 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 you're dipping below that, you know, 5.5 pH all day long. So mm -hmm. it's prolonged exposure. I'd rather you just did that for a, a short period of time and then maybe rinsed your mouth with water or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, but you're right. I mean, that's, a lot of us are walking around with something to drink all day. And if it's basically, it seems like if it's not plain water, Correct. it's probably a little rough on our teeth. Yeah. And same with our kids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the, we talk a lot, and I'm sure you know more about this, educating parents with um, small children or babies, you know, okay, don't give them straight juice. Give them a, like, a diluted version of that. Yeah. That's true. And and I agree with that. But if they have it on their in, in their sippy cup and they're on it all day long, it's not better for them. Right. Do you know what I mean? If they're going to have something all day long, it should be water. And then maybe a juice or something at a meal. That yeah. And same goes for milk, I think, is another thing yeah. that most parents uh, overlook or maybe just don't realize that, you know, milk contains natural sugars as well. And so a yeah. lot of times we would see, you know, in pediatrics, I'd see little, little kids even that they'd get kind of that like baby bottle carries or yep. they get, we call it like bottle rot of their teeth. Yes. And it would be those kids that maybe went to bed with a bottle of milk mm -hmm. and it just sits there all night long. Right. Um, and we start to see like really bad dental disease in pretty young kids, like younger than you'd imagine because they're right. so little. It's like, how did you even have time? But really just a lot of times it was that milk or maybe juice that right. they would just have basically on those teeth. Yes. 24 seven. It's that prolonged exposure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the same principle applies to adults too. I mean, if you're one of those people that just sip something all day long, you're, you know, that's not water. You're probably going to expose yourself to more, you know, risk. So are kids teeth more prone to cavities or dental disease than like adult teeth? Yeah. You know, kids teeth have had less time with fluoride exposure, certainly. So, I mean, fluoride is awesome for kids. It's awesome for adults. It helps, you know, harden the enamel surface or mineralize it in a more like 
rigid fashion than just a tooth that hasn't been exposed to fluoride. Um, so, you know, given that children haven't been around fluoride as long and, you know, all the things, mm -hmm. they are a little bit probably inherently weaker and their enamel layer is a bit thinner than adults. So if they get a cavity, it can kind of get big faster, I guess I would say. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, you would tr treat your children's teeth as carefully as you would treat your own. I've, I feel like I've heard a lot of people say, oh, the baby teeth, they're going to fall out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> it's not just that. I mean, yes, they are going to fall out. And if there's a cavity on a baby tooth that's wiggly, I'd, I mean, I'm not going to fix it. I, yeah. I get that. But at the same time, these are placeholders for adult teeth. So our baby mm -hmm. teeth actually help you know, a spacing of the adult teeth that are coming up underneath them. So if you lose a baby tooth, like say a molar in the back before you should, everything can kind of collapse and then trap the adult tooth from coming up into its, you know, rightful spot. So there are space maintainers and things that are placed at that time to, you know, um, assist with that. But really the best solution is let's keep that baby tooth healthy and in its own place so we don't get to that point. Yeah. If we can. Yeah. And I know um, a lot of kids that I had in practice, they would end up with caps. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about what a cap is and like the purpose of capping baby teeth that have yeah, significant disease? Absolutely. So um, they're stainless steel crowns um, because, of course, with a baby tooth, you're not going to invest in a custom lab fabricated crown most of the time that, you know, would be excessive um, where these are prefabricated and they're kind of hollow on the inside. Think of it like a hat that goes around mm -hmm. the tooth. So if you run into a situation where the decay is not just on one side of the tooth, but maybe it's on two or three sides of the teeth, um, it's more economical and probably better to cover the tooth in its entirety than to do three fillings on three areas, for example. Okay. Um, or if you just have a kid who's extremely prone to, you know, tooth decay and you could be doing a filling on it, you know, at this point and six months later, you know, it's going to you know, get decay on the other side of the tooth, sometimes you just decide to cut your losses and cover it entirely. Yeah. Well, and I think that brings to mind um, a topic that I really wanted to ask you about because I find it very interesting and that I realized um, a lot in my pediatric practice was the idea of, you talked about the bacteria in our mouth. And I think that, you know, this whole microbiome of our whole body, you know, like mouth all the way through our guts yeah. is something that's really kind of the cutting edge of, a lot of research and I think we're right. finding it so much more important than we realized, but also it's interesting to kind of figure out what are the things that influence uh, that bacteria that lives in our mouth, in our gut, wherever. And so I, I believe, you know, that seems to be a big part, like you said, like what does this kid, like he's very prone to cavities. And I met a lot of families and I don't think necessarily that their dental hygiene necessarily was excessively worse than what you'd see on average right. for kids that age. But kids in that family seem to have a lot more problems with dental caries. And the parents might say, you know, I had the same problem too. I had tons of cavities when I was a kid and had right. to have a lot of work done. And so can you talk to us a little bit just about like how the bacteria in each of our mouth differ and if there's anything we can do to change it. I'm not aware of anything that you can do to change it outside of eliminating active dental decay. So mm -hmm. of course, if you have cavities in your mouth, the, the you know, 
number of bacteria that you are going to see if you did a test would be higher. Mm -hmm. So making sure there are no active, you know, cavities, brushing and flossing your teeth. But it is a transmissible disease. So you hit on a really interesting topic because babies are not born with strep mutants in their mouth. Right. Right. So, I mean, if mom has tons of cavities and the pacifier hits the floor and she's, you know, using her own mouth, I've seen it, cleaning it off and putting it back into the baby's mouth. Well, voila, baby now has high levels of mm-hmm. strep mutants and that certainly makes them more at risk earlier in life you know what i mean so yeah. i think just being careful of that you know understanding that about about the process um do i think that there it's 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 a, a goal to maybe never expose them to it i think that's unreasonable because yeah the, in their lifetime they're going to but just being cautious i guess and understanding that Not yeah cleaning off something or sharing suckers or spoons or things like that if you can help it yeah 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 I mean I like how you said that I mean I I agree with you I think it's like it's kind of unreasonable to think because if you think of all the times in your life that you you know let your kid have a bite of whatever you're having off your spoon or whatever you know and so and it's hard to know like even just living in that close of contact are Mm -hmm. you even are you even able to reduce or eliminate that risk of them not sharing your same flora probably not probably i don't know not. but, I don't but know taking care of your own mouth and not having it in high levels in your own mouth is like a great start absolutely you know yeah I mean, taking care of your own teeth and getting any decay uh eradicated is a good way to keep it low yeah and i think it's just something to think about too like if if you are one of those people that are from those families that seem to suffer from that certainly do what you can and do your part but maybe also know like this just seems to be our this is <laughs> microbiome the- genetic lot in life and so right. you know not to maybe you know, do what you can but realize that there's certain parts that you know like any disease are just going to be sort of those genetic predispositions for, for that sure. there's going to be more of a challenge for you than yeah. maybe average. So. Well, and then those are the people who, um, you know, they get fluoride varnish every time they go in. Um, they may be our, you know, patient that we put on kind of the higher um, fluoride toothpaste. Yeah. We have this, you know, prescription toothpaste that's got a pH of like 10.4 and it's got 5,000 parts per million of fluoride versus the over-the-counter one that has 1,000. You know, I mean, again, you're not doing that with baby babies because they, they're not spitting it out. So that's yeah. dangerous too. But if if your child's able to brush and then spit the excess out, like they they can have fluoride toothpaste. You know what yeah. I mean? I actually even would, even when my children weren't spitting out, I would put like a piece of rice size mm-hmm. of fluoride toothpaste on their toothbrush. You know, it wasn't sudsy or they weren't foaming at the mouth from all the toothpaste. <laughs> but I felt like, well, I'm putting fluoride on their teeth and that's a good thing. Um, yeah. But I am. I've definitely made my own mistakes. I think you and I talked about this. Yes. Well, I wanted to bring that up too because I was <laughs> yeah. like, I want to hear about this. And that was yeah. really a question because like yeah. you're a mom of yeah. two young boys. Absolutely. So now you're like living it, right? Oh yeah. They like candy. They like carbs. They like all the things, um, you know, and it was like a straight up dagger to my heart when my <laughs> four-year-old at the time, he's now six, he's my oldest. Um, I took him in for a regular dental checkup. And uh, I found two cavities and I was like, oh my gosh. And these were x-rays that I had taken. They were cavities in between his teeth. And I'm like, I brush your teeth every day. I floss your teeth. Like what is going on here? Yeah. You know, and to your point of microbiome and genetics, like as a child, I had cavities. My husband didn't. The one that looks like me has cavities. The one that looks like him does not. (laughs) So I I thought, 
you know, must just be that thing, right? Must just right. be a thing. But I actually did some. But I think let's take a pause. Yeah. Dentist's child has cavities. Has cavities. So I always want to yes. like call yes. that out for parents. Yeah. Like, don't feel bad about it. Yeah, like I'm obsessed it. with this and I it still doesn't always yes. go perfectly. Yeah, don't take it personally. Yeah. Just get it fixed. Move on. You know what I mean? Totally. Um but yeah, so it, it happens. And actually since then, he's six now, almost seven, and he's had two more. He's had four cavities filled. It blows my mind. And I still brush and floss his teeth for him. See, and like, <laughs> I mean, total like mom confession, I I don't brush my kids' teeth. I mean, I did when they were super little. Right. And um, I don't now. And I've definitely, especially, like, not to call out my six-year-old, but there's a couple mornings, because I do put her little toothpaste on her toothbrush so that when uh-huh. she gets out of the shower, like, brush your teeth. Yes. And I would say every couple of weeks, I'll come up in the it's bedtime and it's still there with that dry tooth. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, that didn't happen. Um and, you know, I mean, I'm sure I, I mean, I, I know in my heart of hearts, like you should probably do more quality control. Uh, oh, but that's hard when you have four kids. Too. I mean, like, it's just like I know it's like the sniff test every time they leave the door. Like, <laughs> exactly. can I like, smell toothpaste? Good enough. Good enough. Yeah, exactly. That one. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Can I smell your mouth? Yeah, maybe I forgot, and then they're <laughs> but um, but I would say so. I did not have a lot of cavities. I had a ton of orthodontic work, but I think I had one cavity as a kid, Lucky. and I don't. I don't believe my husband had any. So I think that again goes yeah. back to it wasn't because I was like super flosser child, and I mean my kids, they don't usually floss either I feel like I'm really outing them but we had those flossers that I would catch them like you know their flavor oh sure and they're like like, there'd be like 17 of them uh and all they've done is like lick them lick them yeah so I was like well that didn't work I tried I bought the thing um but so we've just been lucky but I think that that kind of makes me a little bit more complacent like do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sort of like, you go to the dentist. They're like, everything looks great. You're like, cool, good enough. I'm doing awesome. good. Yes. <laughs> we're pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we're good there. But yeah. I, I think, again, it's it just yeah. not always reflective of the effort that you've put into it. True. And if, um, you know, if they're in the other camp and they're one of those kids, they're like, I do. I brush and I floss my teeth. Like I'm diligent about it. You know what? Just come in and get an extra fluoride treatment every three months or something. You know what I'm saying? Just do what you can to like fight the good fight and don't take it again. Don't, don't worry. Don't take it personally. Well, and so fluoride is another one of those things I want to talk about because I feel like fluoride, like those recommendations have been like mysterious I feel like all along (laughs) and so um and another point because I also think like we take a fluoride for granted a little bit because Mm -hmm. it's like in our water and you know so obvious in all the treatments but uh I was talking so my grandma who's 99 and a half she'll be 100 in December she lives with us and she um she had all of her teeth pulled when she was 35 I want to say and I was just like not even thinking like that's crazy to me 35 and she's had like dentures since she was sure. 35 right yeah and so but that was a hundred years ago that Correct. she I mean she lived on a farm I mean there was no fluoride I'm right. sure there was no dentist and so I think it's easy to forget that not that long ago that was not that uncommon and it was one of the biggest public health wins 
um, water fluoridation. I mean, in 1945, I want to say it was implemented. And I mean, 50 to 60 percent decrease in, you know, decay rates. Yeah. And and, I mean, it's still a problem. Don't get me wrong. Like decay still happens. But that's an excellent point you made. Older generations who maybe or people who grew up on well water and didn't have access to fluoride, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Because, yeah, once I think I was talking to my husband about that or something, because or we were just all talking. We're like, wow, that's so crazy. Like, you weren't very old. Yeah. And then we're like, well, it kind of does. I mean, maybe it's not so crazy when you think it's just a totally yeah. different time. And like you said, that was such a huge public health win that I mm-hmm. think at this point. We take for granted, which to me means it really is a win because right. we take it for take granted. it for granted. People don't even think you about don't think it. Think about it. Yeah, but it, I mean, it is a good thing to think about too. So if you live somewhere where the water source is, you know, great, it's healthy, and tap water is not, you know, a mm-hmm. good option for you, drink it. Yeah, like we drink tap water at my house. So I mean, bottled water and all the things. Th- th- I get it. There's a place for it and things like that. Um, but if you can drink your tap water, do it. I mean, yeah, it's yeah good for you. Well, and that's something that kind of like brought that to mind because um, we do like the house we moved into like six years ago had a reverse osmosis system. Which eliminates fluoride. Yeah. And so I yeah. and then the guy, of course, that like serviced it when we came in because I was like, well, if this removes the fluoride, like I was all worried. And he's like, eh. Like, you, I mean, not like you'll he was a, a public like, health expert or anything. Sure. He's like, you'll get plenty elsewhere. From other sources. And so, but it's right. always like the mystery, right? And so yeah. then, you know, my kids, I think in the clinic that they went to, it wasn't universal that they would, um, in the pediatric clinic, not in their dental clinic, but in the pediatric clinic, you know, we didn't always, they didn't do fluoride varnish for all kids. It would be kind of like if you fit certain risk factors. Sure. So my kids never got it there. I always did do it at the dentist when yeah. they would go for their checkup. We use fluoride toothpaste. Um, I mean, they get tap water outside the house sure. all the time. Yeah. Um, but I was always like, is this like... Is this bad? Is this bad? Right, exactly. Because it's like so confusing kind of a little bit. I think there's enough other sources like like the guy was telling you that that they're getting it in foods that they're prepared for them Mm -hmm. and just different things, you know, Um, at this point, they're, they're probably fine obviously. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's like a good point too is to remember like probably as long as, I mean, how useful if you're getting them at the dentist and then just sort of living normal life, is that usually enough for people? Unless you're one of those, again, unless you're one of those unlucky people. I will tell you, there's a really great um, tool that we use at our clinic now and it's probably just a matter of time before this is accessible to people at home, Um, but it's, it's a tricolor disclosing agent. So when the kids come in, we put this, paint this disclosing agent on their teeth and it's really kind of fun for them because it looks like this really, you know, vivid purple color. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm at the dentist. They're painting my teeth purple. Cool. Um, (laughs) you know, um, so anyway, but when you rinse it off, what remains is, um, the disclosing agent actually just sticks to different colors of plaque. So, um, if it's new plaque, it's kind of like a light pink color. And then if it's been on your teeth for 24 to 48 hours, it's this, uh, more like dark purple color. And then if it's been on there for a little longer, it's like a baby blue. So ah. we do not want baby blue on our teeth, right? They don't know. They're totally getting rat out. They're getting rat out. <laughs> exactly. So like this could be your solution, right? Did mm. they brush their teeth? Well, I'm going to disclose your teeth, uh, you know. Right. Random, it reminds me of that stuff they would night. always say was in the swimming pool that would like turn oh, it blue. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you pee in the pool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds yeah. like. It's basically that, but for your teeth. Only yeah. it's like real. 
you're like springing a pop quiz on him one night. You're like, it's disclosing night. We're doing oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be the worst. But it's really good because so like we can identify areas that are actual like potential areas for cavities or areas that they're just straight up not you know, hitting when they're mm-hmm. brushing. And that's what we use for our oral hygiene instruction. We should give them the toothbrush and they're brushing off those areas. You know, we're going to follow it up with a professional cleaning, but it's really great for them to see, oh, I'm missing these spots. And oh, I just got outed for not flossing and I said I was. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Totally. So it's actually a really great tool. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's really No, good. that's good that's to know. Like, no, like. no secrets. Nope, no secrets. So another thing that you talked to me about uh, that now I've become a little bit more vigilant about is um, like the Mio Uh drinks. And we've talked about that in past episodes. We talked about sort of these non-nutritive sweeteners, um, basically just things like that, crystallite. Water additives. All those kind of things. And like the one thing that I thought, because... You know, the research suggests like when we're doing diet soda, we're doing all of these sort of non-nutritive sweeteners, they're not really doing what we hope to do in the sense of they don't seem to like help people lose weight or maintain better weight. You know, they're not really doing the things you'd think they would in replacing sugar. And the one thing I always held on to was, but they're better for your teeth because they're not sugar. But <laughs> then like, so I wanted to follow up with it you know, because yes. a lot of time then in the, in the, pickup lane, you're like, oh, well, I think this meal <laughs> was causing all my kids' cavities. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. Like, that was the one thing. And we definitely um, – I mean, we definitely have a collection of meals in oh. the pantry for – us too. Fun drinks. Absolutely. Because you're like, well, they're hydrating. Mm-hmm. It's not juice. Yeah. You know, all the things, right? Well, so anyway, rewind back to where we were talking about my kid having all these cavities. And I was like, what are we doing? What is going on? And my hygienist, she is brilliant, by the way. She's the one that's got this disclosing agent thing going. And she's she's just a wealth of knowledge. She's been doing it a long time. And she was like, well, you know, Mio is like mostly like the second ingredient on Mio is citric acid. Yeah. And I, I, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I Google, you know, what's the pH of citric acid? It's like around three. So they're not putting a few drops in their water. I mean, I don't know no. how your kids are. But they're like Just slamming squeeze it, in, like squeezing the bottle in, right? <laughs> um, but I had started giving him meal when we were potty training mm-hmm. because he would drink water faster, which then we could, you know, get kind of cut to the chase and start working on that whole thing. And oh, he yeah. just liked it. He called it water flavor. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, I kind of think that the Mio and the citric acid, and I don't mean to out Mio. I'm sure there's like a lot of other brands. That's just the brand. Well, now we I've just been peeking around, like even since that conversation, and like not doing a deep dive of research. But I look at all this stuff, and it's all like citric, citric acid. acid. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, and maybe you can't win. <laughs> exactly. And maybe somebody will figure out a way to neutralize that mm-hmm. and still maintain the flavor. I don't know. Or maybe it is, but that's that's my own preliminary like detective work on why he had so many cavities. We were just, you know, bathing his teeth in citric acid all day. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's a good point. And again, like you said, not to like I mean, I, I'm all about moderation and there's yeah. a, a place for everything. But again, if if you think of that as something that your kid can just sip on all day. Maybe it's better if we're gonna do the Mio to, to be like drink it and then be done and drink right. some water and wash your mouth out correct yeah or have it with your meal yeah and then do water between meals and stuff yeah 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 so. and it's so much easier to preach than to practice right I mean as oh for anything, sure like your kids are like I just want this and you're like okay 
well, just oh, happen. totally. But but rinsing, like you said, even just rinsing their mouth out with plain water after they have it is a is a good thing. Yeah, or maybe even <laughs> like if it's a maybe, and you would know better than me. Maybe it's kind of an every other. Like if you have a cup or a water bottle or something, sure. be like, this one's Mio, but the next one's water, so we can right exactly. I mean, you do what you can. And um, xylitol gum. So yeah, xylitol gum, gum is too. right. <laughs> I know, but so xylitol is being you know um, you can find it in a lot of products nowadays, yeah. you know, more and more products, I would say. Um, but xylitol actually binds to, in sucrose cannot bind to the strep mutans because xylitol's in the way. Like xylitol binds oh. to the, that area. So um, it's almost like an anti-karyogenic effect. So oh. like if you're going to, if they're going to chew gum, you know, look at the label, find a, a gum that has xylitol in it. Do you, you know, know any like brands I, offhand? Ice, ice breakers, ice cubes are yeah. one that has it. And I like to keep those in my purse because you can buy them in the big, Oh yeah. And, you know, and the kids are like, I want the gum and yeah. they, you know, half of it disappears. Oh, right? see, that's a but good that's tip. Good. So that's like, actually one good thing. So you're out and about, <laughs> they've just had like a big lemonade and it's real acidic and maybe sugary. And you're like, okay, well we can't brush your teeth. We're in public. We'll throw some xylitol gum in to, you know, it stimulates saliva. Saliva buffers are the pH in our mouth. So increased yeah. saliva is great. People who have decreased saliva actually are at high, high risk for cavities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, you know, binds to that site so sucrose can't bind and cause that bacteria to form the acid that leads Well, that's to a super cool tip that I feel like most kids and parents could get behind. Like, I can buy the right gum. Yeah. And feel like I'm doing something yeah. good for teeth and everybody's <laughs> happy. So that, I like that. That's a yeah. great tip. Yeah. So the other thing that you had mentioned um, to maybe talk about that I was actually very excited about was uh, like malocclusion and sort of bite, we'll call them bite differences. Um, because yeah. this was like my life when I was a kid. I had like a pretty bad underbite or crossbite. Um, and now two of my kids have had the same thing. So again, you know, you see the kids that. So you live at like, the orthodontist oh. office. Yes. Yes. And I had, <laughs> I mean, I had like two sets of braces. I had two headgears. I had uh, some expander. I had all kinds of things. So can you talk to us a little bit about what it is and why it can be such a problem and why it's important to address it? Yeah. So malocclusion just means what you were describing. It means that their bite isn't, you know. Uh, as it should be, or it's it's coming together in a way that isn't adaptive. It's not good for them. You know, it can be range from a little bit of a problem to like I can't chew because my teeth don't come together the right way. Right, and that's obviously the the like most severe side of things um, that you'd want to correct. But um, if their teeth aren't coming together the right way, you know, obviously there's you know a, a social piece of that. They yeah. don't feel, they don't look good. They don't feel good about themselves. Um, but they can be hitting each other in, in this, mm-hmm. dis, uh, you know, in a, in a bad way and, and they could be causing trauma to each other, you know? So yeah, I remember and, I like wore down mm-hmm. my baby teeth too. Yeah. Like however my bite was, my two little front baby teeth got like wore down real small. Yes. And, and, you know, with the kids who are doing, um, pacifiers or thumb sucking for prolonged periods of time, which I definitely would, uh, get rid of the passy at two, like mm-hmm. hard, hard stop to, to your two, two. Yeah. And I liked the passy because my, my kids wanted that. Um, but I can also take it away. 
Right. You know, the thumb, like you, you can't, can't take, take the thumb away. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's for real. You always kind of have to let that go a little longer because it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. exactly. exactly. But they're, they we're finding that they're um, narrowing their upper jaw. So it's mm. kind of resulting in a high vaulted palate and narrowing of their upper jaw, which can cause malocclusion. So then their lower jaw and upper jaw, their teeth don't fit together well. Mm-hmm. But also um, there's airway implications. So there's an orthodontist in town that educates a lot of, of dentists on this too. But um you know, for widening the palate before mm-hmm. the suture or the midline of the palate closes around age 12, if we're mm-hmm. expanding it, yeah. um, that actually opens up the airway and can lead to a, you know, a better situation there. And, you know, it, constricted airways can result in, you know, fatigue and ADD and ADHD symptoms. And like, there's a lot of things that, you know, where uh, airflow kind Absolutely. of lends itself to. And I'm not saying it's causal, but I mean, it it's a big deal right now. It's a big area of study. So. Yeah, I mean, I would be very interested in that because I think it wasn't something at the time I just thought it was like cosmetic basically while yeah. I was going through it, which was fine. Like I was behind it because I wanted it fixed, but um, I could not breathe through my nose when I was a kid. I mean, so once I learned about all this, I was like, oh my gosh, I and remember. And then they expanded it. Yeah, I remember yeah. getting in trouble for like chewing with my mouth open. Yes. Because I would literally have to like gasp for breath while eating. Yes, yes. So I was like, I can't. Like yeah. I have to open my mouth. You're absolutely right. So it's a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, yes. So malocclusion plays into a lot of things. Yeah. And if you, in the hands of the right, you know, orthodontist who understands all these things, who can expand the palates when they need to be expanded. Not only can the kids bite better, chew their food better, which we know is a huge thing. Like yeah. we don't want them having swallowing huge bolses of food with, that are poorly chewed. Um, they'll look better, but they're going to breathe better. Yeah. So um, yeah, if if you kind of around age seven, when they have their, per, their first, you know, six or molars, if there's a significant malocclusion, like an underbite, overbite, crossbite, that kind of thing, um, you know, your dentist should be identifying that and, and could get a referral to an orthodontist. They may or may not do anything depending mm-hmm. on the severity, mm-hmm. but there's kind of a small window for intervention with growth, you know? And yeah. so, like I said, there's that suture that runs in the middle of your palate that can be widened but after around age 12, it's kind of a no-go. It's a surgery. Yeah, that was so, like my next stop. They basically yeah. said if that last, I think that was probably around the age I was. And they were like, if this doesn't work, yeah, we're going to have to do surgery. So that window between like 7 and 12 is really important if if that's indeed like a would help the child um, to, to do and see an orthodontist at that point. I so. think that's really good advice because I think the only reason I was so sensitive to it is because I'd gone through all of it myself. Yeah. Um, but I think otherwise it's hard to understand. And so like sometimes when it's like my kid needs braces, he's eight, you know, or whatever. Right. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, or I they need know. two rounds. Oh, this yep. seems like this seems fishy. Right. right. No, exactly. You're just trying to get two <laughs> right. braces out of me. I mean, I think that that's legit because it's like just hard to understand. And like, I don't think it's something that is common knowledge. No, I, I agree with you. And some parents are like, they don't even have all their adult teeth yet. Why am I going to yep. get it? And there may be a time where they just monitor them. But I'd way rather somebody be on a recall with an orthodontist who can intervene when the time is right. Yeah. And miss a window of opportunity and have to have surgery later. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I tell my patients because... Yeah, I'm not the expert in that field, but I definitely know that that's the timing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's super good advice. So a couple more things I wanted to ask. So let's just say my kid gets a chipped tooth or knocks out their tooth. How much do I need to freak out? 
(laughs) (laughs) Great question. Um, If they knock their tooth completely out, um, that that you know that should probably be addressed asap you can put the tooth in a cup of milk um actually i would not put it in water so water will actually sort of kill the cells that live around the tooth and just completely uh kind of blow out any chances of re-implanting the tooth but milk has a more similar um, chemical makeup to saliva than water so you can put it in a cup of milk and actually take it to your dentist and they can re-implant it if it's a permanent tooth right. maybe i should back up yeah. if it's a baby tooth and it gets knocked out i mean Pro- definitely see the it. dentist, but they're not, they're not going to reimplant it. Baby. Yeah. We're not reimplanting baby teeth. Um, chances are it was probably loose. Too. <laughs> right. um, but if it's a permanent tooth, definitely, you know, put it in some milk, get somebody to take a look at it. And um, like how fast? Um, I mean, I mean, I would be like, I don't know why this is like my phobia always is these knocked out teeth. So yeah. I would be like emergency dental. Yeah. So like within an hour is I, I mean, a okay. really great situation, but chances are, you know, from trauma to reimplantation, <laughs> It may not be quite an hour, and you certainly don't want to reimplant it if it's like dirty or you know it's falling on the baseball diamond, right? That kind of thing. Um, so let the professionals do that. But the chances of it, you know, uh, being reimplanted successfully, if it's a front tooth, for example, are much higher if it's done within a short period of time. Like, don't wait till tomorrow. I Got guess. it. That, yeah, that's maybe not going to work. Um, yeah, so as soon as you can. If it's chipped, it really depends. So, like, is it a little chip or a big chip? If it's a big chip and there's actual nerve tissue or red, you know, blood kind of coming from the center of the tooth, then you need to see somebody right away. But if it's chipped just a little bit where there's just a little bit of yellow showing, which is the dentin layer, Mm -hmm. um, it could be sensitive, but it's not the emergency that the other situation is. If there's nerve tissue showing, it can get infected and Sure, and is that more painful? It's more painful. Yeah, Yeah. so your child will let you know that it's not going well. Correct. Thank you so much for joining us. This was super fun. Um, I definitely want to put a plug in. So anybody that any listeners that are in the Omaha area, um, you have an amazing clinic. It's all smiles, family dentistry, Yes. family dentistry and cosmetic dentistry. It's in the Dundee area. Yep. And then you also said um, if someone wants to bring their child in for a initial exam, if they mention this podcast, is that right? Yeah. They can get a. Absolutely. Yep. A, a, a free initial free ex- exam screening from you. Yeah, perfect. Yes. Yeah, I think that I would highly recommend it. It's super cute, a super fun clinic to visit. So thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we'll put all the links for your clinic and everything in our show notes Perfect. As well. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks again for joining us for another episode of Feeding the Family. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, um, leave us a review, and leave us some comments of some topics you'd like us to cover, and we'll see you next Monday for another episode. Thanks.